good morning to everybody on this nice sunny day. We better enjoy it. <laughs> no? <laughs> My name is Wendy Irwin. Today's first reading is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 26. Listen for the word of God. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Our second reading is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to the chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? <laughs> and he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe the, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? about himself or about someone else. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So here's the deal. Uh, you have to, no matter how good or bad the sermon is, 
You have to tell everybody who wasn't here how good it was and make them feel bad and uh, be like, it, was, it changed my life. I'm selling everything and giving it all to the poor. You know, uh, <laughs> I kid, of course. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer, may your Holy Spirit kindle our hearts that we may know your love more deeply, that we may know who we are as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are in week four of our sermon series, Living Underwater on Baptism as a way of life. We've looked at baptism three different ways so far, three different ways. First, baptism as washing, as pointing to forgiveness. Second, baptism as birthing, pointing to new life. And last week, the third, we looked at baptism as burying, as dying to our old selves to be raised anew. And this week's theme comes from today's scripture from Paul's letter to the Galatians. As many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Here Paul imagines baptism as clothing as a garment, as something we slip into when we are baptized, or something that slipped, that put on, put on us. Baptism is clothing, and in baptism, we put on Christ. It's not the most intuitive image for baptism, as you saw me flailing with the children earlier in the service. We don't literally hop into Jesus like we would a pair of shorts, obviously. Not only that, but we tend to take stuff off to get into water. Having said that, the image of clothing has its roots in the ancient baptismal practices of the church. Those who were prepared to be baptized would each wear white robes like the one I am wearing right now. It's an allusion to the many passages, to many passages of Scripture, but most especially to the book of Revelation, where the saints of God have, quote, been washed in the, in the blood of the Lamb and their robes made white in His blood. The white robe is a sign of hope in God's future. And Ingrid and I, we wear these robes on the high holy days and special seasons to specifically remind each of us of our baptisms and the promise of a new creation and eternal life. That's what this robe's all about. Just, if you see me wearing it, remember your baptism. But it's also more than just a piece of clothing. As many of you were baptized into Christ, Paul says, as many of you were baptized into Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek there is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. There is no Jew or Greek, 
slave or free, male or female, all of you are one in Christ Jesus. To be Jewish or to be Greek, Paul's talking about ethnic or cultural identity, where we come from, what our customs are. To be slave or free, he's talking about economics, he's talking about social class, he's talking about power. To be male or female, he's of course talking about gender categories. These are all identities in life that define us, how we should see ourselves, and how we could categorize each other, how we divide and how we categorize people. This nation over that one, this culture or race against that one, free people over slaves, rich over poor, men over women, pious practitioners over loosey-goosey sinners, these identities confer status on us where they dictate behaviors and opportunities in life. They set boundaries on who's in and who's out. You know, here's one of the radical pioneering things about the Christian message. Paul says that the coming of God in Jesus Christ short circuits all these categories. The walls dividing people into categories have been bulldozed by Christ in his death and resurrection, making human beings one in him. Baptism is the sign, the seal of those walls being washed away by God's grace, God's unmerited, unconditional love shown in Jesus Christ. And you know, I love our text from the Acts of the Apostles, and it always comes up at a bad time in the year because I'm usually on vacation or doing some other sermon series. But I love a reading from the Acts of the Apostles because it's one of the earliest, most obvious stories of this in action. Having been raised from the dead, Jesus sends his disciples out to proclaim the good news in word and deed to the ends of the earth. It's at this point that they are rechristened apostles rather than simply disciples. They are apostles, literally meaning one who is sent out. They are sent out by Jesus. This scene features one of the apostles, Philip. And seemingly out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord instructs Philip to get up and go south. So get up and go, Philip, go south. The angel sends Philip to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And on the way, Philip runs to, into a guy in a chariot, but it's not just any guy. This guy is the minister of finance for the nation of Ethiopia, reporting directly to Queen Candace herself. He is a big deal. This guy is a big deal. He is a higher up in Ethiopia's government. What's even more interesting, though, is that this guy's just flipping through a copy of the Bible, you know, and he's oh, got it open on the prophet Isaiah. You see, this guy, this prominent, influential, black foreigner, is on his way home from Jerusalem. This guy's traveled from what seems to, must have been, seemed like the end of the earth to worship the God of Israel. This guy is a believer, this Ethiopian. Now, there's a couple of problems, though. 
first of all, he's from Ethiopia. He's very obviously not a genetic member of God's people. Not only that, but he doesn't inhabit the sacred land. Not only that, but the culture of Ethiopia is way different than God's people. There's got to be culture clash. This guy's an obvious outsider. His skin, his clothes, his mannerisms, they all give him away without anybody even getting to know him. The biggest problem, though, even bigger than those problems, has to do with his sexuality. He is a eunuch. If you're not sure what this is, I already explained it to my kids, and you can ask them. <laughs> no, <laughs> Let's just say a certain part of uh, this fellow's male anatomy has been removed, a certain pair of parts, probably before adulthood to ensure that he wouldn't be distracted by family life and so that he can be trusted around females of the royal house. It's sort of an extreme form of sex scandal prevention, you could say. And the thing about eunuchs is that they aren't allowed to join the assembly of God's people according to the book of Deuteronomy. They can't fulfill God's commandment to be fruitful and multiply, to have children, and they're considered mutilated. They are less than. They are impure. They are unclean. There are things that they can do. They can participate in limited ways, but they are always second-class citizens among God's people. And yet, Philip is sent by an angel to him. And then he's sent by the Holy Spirit to get in real close, just slide into that chariot right beside him. The Ethiopian asks him to interpret the Scriptures, and Philip proclaims to him the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that Jesus is the one who the prophet Isaiah spoke of. Jesus is the one who knew suffering and shame and rejection, just like the Ethiopian, and yet was vindicated and raised by God. I mean, you can see where the appeal to someone like the Ethiopian would be in this scripture reading. And you know what? Things move pretty fast after this. You know, there's a river nearby. There's no baptismal course, right? <laughs> so the Ethiopian asked Philip if there's anything that is going to keep him from being baptized. And uh, Philip says, nope. Both of them go under. And as soon as they pop up, it says the Spirit just snatches Philip away and sends him on his way. And we're told the eunuch never saw him ever again. But the eunuch went home rejoicing as to this experience of God's grace. So rejected as a foreigner, a cultural outsider, excluded and stigmatized, shoved to the sidelines for his sexuality, this Ethiopian returns home a child of God. He returns home rejoicing, baptizing, rising up out of the waters, clothed in God's inclusive grace, all account of the Spirit's prodding of Philip, all on account of the Spirit's boundary-breaking power.
all on account of the Spirit's boundary-breaking power. Just go to the next uh, slide, please. There you go. Perhaps you've seen the movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> if you haven't, maybe you should. It's a dramatization of the life of famed televangelist Tammy Faye Baker and her husband Jim. And if you don't know them, they had their own TV station, PTL Network, Praise the Lord Network, in the 70s and 80s. And Tammy Faye was well-known for her over-the-top makeup and kitschy jewelry. And Jim would would later crash and burn thanks to uh, stealing money. But they were both huge in evangelical Christian circles for quite a while, TV Christian royalty. Now, if you want to go to the next slide, please. There's this remarkable scene. Oh, oh, there's Tammy Faye. You want to go to the next slide? There we go. There's this remarkable scene in this movie where Tammy Faye, played by Jessica Chastain, is interviewing a man named Steve Peters over Satellite Link, and it's based on reality. Peters was a pastor, which isn't so remarkable for a Christian network, but he was also gay, and he was openly so in 1986. Not only that, but Steve had AIDS. In fact, a couple weeks before the interview, he'd almost died from AIDS. Not a lot was known about it at the time and before any of the treatments that we have now. And many of you will remember how hugely stigmatized it was. In the interview, Steve talks about how people wouldn't want to be in the same room with him. They'd steam clean a glass of water he used, make him use paper plates, wouldn't go near him for fear of catching it. But the worst part was the condemnation he received from fellow Christians. Not only was he condemned as a gay man, transgressing scripture, but many prominent Christian leaders proclaimed that AIDS was God's judgment on homosexuality. Like the Ethiopian from Acts, Peter's was considered less than, unclean, excluded from the assembly of God's people. And the thing is that these Christian leaders spoke for a lot of the people who turned into PTL, Tammy Faye's network, the moral majority. And she had Peters on her show, and she interviewed him in spite of risking alienation from her audience. And she did end up taking a lot of heat and condemnation herself and having a gay man with AIDS on her show. And it created an outrage in her own Pentecostal denomination but she still welcomed him anyway and let him tell his story. You know, she didn't just let him tell his story either. She embraced him and affirmed him as a child of God. I'm not going to do a Tammy. I thought about doing a Tammy Faye voice, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Imagine Tammy Faye speaking. We Christians, she said, we Christians who are to be the salt of the earth, and we are supposed to be able to love everyone, 
that we are so afraid of an AIDS patient that we will not go up to them and put our arm around them and tell them that we care. I just want to tell you, she continued, I just want to tell you that there's a lot of Christians here who love you and wouldn't be afraid to put their arms around you and tell you that we love you and tell you that we care. There are Christians here who love you, would put their arms around you to tell you that we love you and tell you that we care. Now, in later interviews, Peter's pointed to this as a crucial moment in his life. He's, he's alive still, actually. Um, though Tammy Faye died in 2008, he's 69 years old, still pastoring. He's the only AIDS survivor from those early days that he knows of. And he says that this encounter with Tammy Faye actually stoked hope in him as he struggled to hold on to life. But it wasn't just Tammy Faye who carried him through. Though Peters was excluded and condemned by fellow believers on account of his illness and his identity as a gay man, in this moment, Tammy Faye, in all of her own personal brokenness, limitedness, and falling short, witnessed to the inclusive love, mercy, and grace of the gospel. His identity in Jesus Christ. Like Philip hopping into an Egyptian chariot, Tammy Faye threw her lot in with Steve Peters, proclaiming him the good news. Not only that Peters himself, in all of his suffering and shame, had been claimed as God's own, that Jesus died for him, but that God's love on the cross is poured out on all, even those who we'd rather not believe so. That there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, healthy or sick, gay or straight, but that we are all one in Christ Jesus and that in him, there is no condemnation. In that moment, both Steve Peters in his suffering and shame and Tammy Faye in her gaudy makeup were clothed in Christ. In Tammy Faye's proclamation of God's grace, God wrapped his arms around Steve Peters and Jesus repurposed that white pantsuit she was wearing as a makeshift baptismal gown. This episode, dear friends, gets at the meaning of baptism, being clothed in Christ. Baptism is a set of clothes. It's a uniform, one that's put on us, one that goes over all these differences, one that transcends all of our boundaries. It doesn't mean these differences disappear or they don't exist. Philip remained a Jew. The Ethiopian was still Ethiopian. Steve Peters was still a gay pastor living with AIDS. And Tammy Faye still remained a kitschy Pentecostal evangelical. But it means that each of us is given an identity that goes above, that transcends all others. Baptism is a garment that no one can ever 
remove in Jesus Christ the ancient promises God made to Abraham and Sarah. The promise of belonging, redemption, salvation have been extended to all people. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Regardless of what we may do, who we may be, or any other identity we may hold, whatever shame, rejection, or powerless you may feel, whether prejudice, ignorance, or otherwise, the Holy Spirit has stamped her name on you. Above all other identities, it is who you are in Christ that matters ultimately and finally. Baptism is the sign and seal for God's claim on you. You are loved by Christ, bought with a price and marked as his own forever. And nothing, no one can ever change that fact. Not even you. Which also means, dear friends, that we can no longer see anyone as apart from us either. Our neighbors are the same recipients of that good news. In the same way we have been claimed by Christ, so is our neighbor, even the one we most despise. The Holy Spirit refuses to be bound by our human categorizations, but is always drawing the circle of God's grace wider and wider and wider and sends us, like Philip, to do the same. So every time you wash your face, remember this truth. Every time you go for a steam at the community center or take your grandkids to the splash pad, every time you walk by the baptismal font, remember who you are in Christ, a child of the living God. And so is your neighbor. We are all one in Christ Jesus. May we draw the circle wider around him. Amen. Please stand for our hymn of the day, Who is My Mother? <laughs> 